You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your favorite CC2 personality, JTAC extraordinaire, embracer of the ridiculous face, and like the shortest operator you'll ever meet, Peaches. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room. As always, we got the crew together because we wanted to talk to a very special guest, especially a special guest to my, to me. Um, I guess I, I don't even need to use a rank anymore because I don't think a rank matters, but uh, Jason Shady Shimchuk. Uh, before I introduce you though, uh, and we go into all this, I do want to, hey everybody, like go on to Apple Podcasts. Leave a review, rate us, follow us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, follow us on YouTube, you know, like, share, do whatever you're going to do. Please do that. And then also check out a lot of our affiliates that we have. Uh, today, we'll talk about Strikeforce Energy. If you guys haven't checked them out, they're at strikeforceenergy.com. They're energy in a packet, nothing but caffeine, straight to your veins, tastes great. Throw it in a little bit of water and you're good to go. Or you could be quite bold and just take it straight with no water. But I'm going to tell you, you better have a chaser because that is going to wake just just the, the boom punch in the face is going to wake you up as pure it is. unadulterated just energy. Just yeah. Don't to your face. And by the so I feel, like I, should, I feel like I should jump in with a medical disclaimer. Do not put Strike Force Energy straight into your veins. You should definitely drink it. Like adjust it as it's as it's like recommended on the package don't inject strike force energy we're gonna have people out there mainlining strike force energy before workouts <laughs> that wouldn't go over too well but if you guys do oh what they've got a, who knows <laughs> who knows but they do have some good flavors over there and then um you know obviously if you're gonna go over there and check out with the promo code one's ready and get yourself a 10 percent discount and it helps them out helps us out and uh helps you out because you get the caffeine baby all right now, Jason, Shady, um, What's up? man, you and I actually have quite some history together, um, and we didn't know it for, I don't know, a good six or seven years, but that's fine. That's fine. We, we ended up linking back up together, and we'll kind of go into some of those details later on, but uh, okay. I definitely want to, you know, the, these guys, Trent and Aaron and Brian, they, they mean a lot in my life you know, as well as a bunch of other people. And you are also one of those folks. Um, so I'm honored to have you on. Uh, in fact, a lot of all of this, or at least my family wouldn't exist without you, uh, like you <laughs> personally. Um, so much appreciated there. And I can't wait to, to tell everybody about it. But first, why don't you give us a little detail about yourself? Um, well, thank you for having me on the show, all of you guys. I, have tremendous respect for what you do uh now and what you used to do um in the uh community uh i'm from uh, seattle washington um and dude it's an honor to be on here too jared i mean i that I, i'm excited to talk about it as well i'm excited to talk about that experience uh my parents are in town right now actually and um I was just talking to them the other day and they said to say hello. Cause I know you met them when we were out in Vegas and, um, that's just a special part of my life as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm from Seattle, Washington area and I grew up a little kid. I just wanted to be a pilot. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just airport, uh, going to the library, looking at airplanes, things like that. And, um, Ended up, I went to Air Force Academy. Uh, I, w I didn't go to college because I was afraid I wouldn't graduate. And if I didn't graduate, I wouldn't get into pilot training. So I thought if I get to the academy, all you have to do is get is graduate. Uh, so I just stumbled through the academy and uh, went to pilot training. Um, Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas. Got lucky, got my first choice of A-10s. Um, I always wanted to be an A-10 pilot since I uh, go for one and, um, 
I read the book Warthog about the what was going on over there. And then as I got to know more about the Air Force and Air Force mission sets and airplanes and things, close air support really uh, became something that I thought was something that I could, I don't know, I just thought it was the, the mission that was right for me. Uh, and I got lucky, got A-10s, and then been flew A-10s all over all over different places. Do you want me to go all into that or, I mean, yeah, I mean, first go, assignment was go through your background, man. First assignment was Spangolem. Uh, and then that's my first combat deployment as well. So I got to Spangolem in 2005. Uh, first combat deployment. You went to, you went to combat in Germany. What was that <laughs> like? What was that like? It, well, Jared's been there <laughs> that's too. Ra- that's it rowdy. Was, it was easy. Those guys are pushover. <laughs> yeah, just, you can just order a donor kebab anywhere you want. They just give it to you. It's great. And they're just like, all right, all right cool. Yeah, yeah. The the Germany was really cool. I we got married. I met my wife in Colorado when I was going to school, and uh, we long distance dated for a while. And we got to Germany. It was like a honeymoon, man. It was just three years of being being overseas, and um, and then I went to Korea after that. Um, in Germany, that combat deployment 2006 is where I guess I met you, Peaches. I don't know if meet is the right uh, word, but um, went to Korea for two years after that. Then went to Moody Air Force Base. Then went to Nellis. Then quit. I'm a quitter. I'm a two-time <laughs> quitter because I quit the active duty and joined the reserves. Yeah. And then... Uh, I flew in the reserves at Whiteman Air Force Base in Kansas City area, and then I quit the reserves. And, and I was like, so, nah. I was like, nah, yeah. pass, dog. <laughs> so I, uh, then I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't want to work here anymore. See, there's this problem. It's like 85 degrees, and I just don't want to be here, so I'm just going to bounce. I just left. Yeah, I said no more flying A-10s for me. Uh, actually, yeah, my last combat deployment was 2018, um, I think, 2018, 19-ish or so. Uh we went back to Kandahar and stood up A-10s again because we had left the country. We came back. Um, and then, yeah, I just came back from that deployment and um, you know, had some kids at this point and just decided to be done, you know. So 15 years in the A-10 and was ready to be, be done. And now I'm, I just moved from Kansas City to Utah with my family. And uh, I fly for Delta Airlines now. And I'm also got a, a, um, a fly fishing brand that I'm building and a podcast. And I'm also an artist. <laughs> and that's you in a nutshell. Not, not too shabby. How are get the me shows out of this fo- nutshell. <laughs> How are the shows of force at Delta? Do you get to do any like real <laughs> low ones or is it strictly <laughs> just landing? I, I don't know. I think if I had a, a Delta pilot with a little pizzazz, you know, a little, little something, something, I don't know. It might spice the flight up. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes when I'm flying around, I put I put villages or towns on a thirty wire on the canopy rail, <laughs> just <laughs> figure out like, okay, that's a that's a perfect thirty high angle strafe wire. But uh, no, I don't know what that means. It sounds awesome. It sounds like you're blowing a village up. <laughs> I was gonna say, it. man, we were. Look, <laughs> I think everybody's yeah. like, what's a thirty degree wire? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know. Uh, and then I look, I looked at your face, peaches, and I was like, I'm supposed to laugh at this. Peaches is laughing. I'm a laugh. And then Peaches kind of knows. Peaches kind of knows. I kind of know, but I haven't. You, you know, know. Wait, wait till he you hung out. Weasley <laughs> starts talking about cranking out mills. Then it's like, oh god, <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about what that. You guys laughing but... at all? Nothing, just pilot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh... well I, th- I think this is a uh, a good opportunity to to talk about the people out there, to talk to the people out there that don't know that much, maybe about the A10 or the mission or how big the round is that it fires and all that other stuff. Because you know, I'm supposed to ask the question, what okay. drew you to the A10? Obviously, you wanted to do it since a very young age. Uh, but what what specifically about that, the mission and the the platform and all that other stuff? Uh, you know, drew you in and made it all worthwhile. And for the people that are out there that don't know, like, what's the coolest thing about flying the hog? Uh, the coolest thing about flying the hog is knowing that you're bringing men and women back to their families. Uh, and that that is your job and that's all there is to it. Like that's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole reason, uh, that you do it. And, and, um, you know, that's the coolest thing about it in my opinion. Um, and I think that's one of the things that drew me to it. I, I didn't do great <laughs> in pilot training. Uh, <laughs> I, I did. I didn't I do did. what 
I didn't do what anybody would call a good job <laughs> in pilot train. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. know why we have. They to call use me these pilot terms. though. <laughs> yeah. So I, I you I know, I did. I kind of stumbled good. into I, it. <laughs> and Here I am. I didn't do great. I mean, I did okay. Um, but um, actually, yeah, I won't go into that. But um, and then I just it was harder for me. I guess uh, I had to work pretty hard, and. I just felt like as I was going through, uh, especially through pilot training and learning about close air support mission, um, and the different communities that were out there and things, I felt like that community, the A-10 community, uh, it wasn't all wrapped. It, it was more about other people and less about me. And I felt like, uh, that I just felt like the right fit for what I was doing. Go ahead. What's up? Yeah. So quick question uh, on that. Do you not walk into parties and tell everybody that you're a pilot first thing? Is that not? There was that's no what way. I'm talking about. There was no way. There was no way I was going to let you off the hook with that one too. You basically just were trying to find a way to say, be like, hey, I found out the A-10 community wasn't like the fighter community and I didn't have to get pit vipers right away in order to just get into it. <laughs> and I, that kind of drew me to it. Like that's what you were going to say, but you were like, oh, no, I can't say that. I'll say it. I, I have care. many, many good friends in the other communities, and they are also, uh, you know, they did a lot of good work as well. So I'm not. You are so I nice. Want, you, we I don't, don't want to do, take away from do them that here. <laughs> we don't but, do that here. <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't you, know. You get what you deserve in the team room. So yeah. <laughs> you, you let it go, buddy. The other thing, you know, I mean, it's a cool, cool airplane, you know? I mean, I think one of them came out to Laughlin uh, on a cross country or something. And, you know, I had been reading about him when I was a little kid and I, I just, I thought that it looked badass. and, um, you know, I learned about the gun and, uh, uh, all the munitions that it carried and how it flew low. Um, and, and then when I got to IFF as well, IFF is like in between pilot training. And when you learn how to fly whatever fighter you go to, uh, intro to fighter fundamentals or something. Uh, the air to air stuff. That's the first time you're kind of doing, not just take off and land, learning how to fly. You're done learning how to fly. Now you're like intro to the tactics and stuff. Uh, so the air to air stuff, it wasn't as fun for me, but when we started dropping, uh, pointing at the ground and practicing air to ground munitions, deliveries and stuff like that, I, that was really cool. I really liked it. And uh, so I kind of knew at that point that I made the right choice. Uh, I don't know. Is that the answer? Is that what else? What, was, <laughs> what drew me to it? We have, uh, we actually have the right answer here. And uh, it was, that, the, was, that, was it. That, that wasn't it. <laughs> it yeah, was the are, big <laughs> gun and I love shooting there. the big gun. Oh, and it's goodness. so awesome. Finally, and I love like exactly killing terrorists. And, there yeah. we go. How, we made it. How we long is it, it going to take to get a warheads on foreheads? Quote warheads, you, my yeah. guy. Come on, jeez, always. Peaches says that every time we get on Zoom. Oh, he's like, oh, yeah. He also says, like bring the rain. Fi. Bring the rain. Yeah. He oh does. boy. Well, it's hard. It, it's hard to be in a Transformers movie and not say your catchphrase every single time afterwards. I so. definitely wear my beret out in the field all the time. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. It's a good, good beacon too. You know, just boom, really oh bright gosh. red. Everybody knows 500 meters are. northwest of the Red Bray. Um, <laughs> Giant antennas out of your backpack sticking up, yeah. just uh, walking around town. Just using put big peaches in, as one big antenna. measure. It is 795 <laughs> units of measure. Away. It's 795 uh, peaches away from here. They're like yeah, so 100 yards. Like 10 feet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's really not that far. It's a short joke. We work one into every episode. That's really so, good. I dig that, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so you what? You saw the yes, huge sir. gun. You wanted to fly the huge gun. Perfect. That's where. That's where we are. And that's. I should have exactly. just said that from the beginning. You yeah, should have just said it, it in the beginning. I don't understand, man. I don't, it's I don't, got a big gun. Everybody like, wants. Yeah. 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 So you finally. What was it? Uh, what was it like that first time? Like, what was it like the first time you were in the A10? Like, it might have been a tactical scenario. Maybe it was a live ordinance. But I know we talk about it before. Uh, you know, on, on a bunch of different podcasts and stuff, we're always like every once in a while you're reminded what you do and how much you love it. Like, but you can always remember that first time for some guys it's graduation from some guys it's their first mission. But for you, when was that first time you're like, Holy cow, I'm a right home to mom and dad. Cause I'm an A 10 pilot and I'm just doing cool stuff. 
Uh, well, I mean, the first time I wrote home to my parents was after the mission that I had with uh, Peaches, and that was 2006. So it wasn't necessarily like a first time flying the A-10 story, but I actually did write home to my parents that night and uh, and just told them. I was like a thank you letter, really. It was like, hey, thanks for just, you know, being my parents and love me and raising me and put me in an opportunity to be here uh, because I did something special today. And, and I've, that was the day that I was, I could have been done flying a tens or done with the air force and everything kind of like, yeah, that was, I've had what I needed to do out of the, out of the a 10. I mean, I'm glad I got to keep flying and and do the things that I did and stay, stay, uh, much longer than that. But yeah, that's when I wrote home for the first time, first, first sortie in the a 10. I don't know. I went Nordo, which means that nobody can hear me and I can't hear them. So, uh, that's gotta be a a great feeling. You're just sitting there. It's completely quiet. Well, let's, let's hold on here. You, we've mentioned it two or three times and we've alluded to it and it's the whole reason you're on the podcast and I haven't heard this story. Yeah. I invited myself on the show. I did. (laughs) That's that's the best way to do it. It's like peaches. What is going on? I keep seeing all this stuff on social media and I know what you're doing. I'm a podcaster. You're a podcast. Like, What's up? Where's my invite? I was, was going to say, I got a really weird, usually the invite comes from somebody on the team, but this invite came from you. It was like, hey, here's the Zoom call. Be there tomorrow. I'm like, oh, hey, who's, who's let's, let's do this it. thing? <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> great. I just, listen, when the Zoom invite pops up, I don't do anything. I just put it on the calendar and then I'm there on time. That's that's what my job is. So, but yeah, yeah. Hit, hit us off with this story, man. Tell us what, what happened. So it was your first time at deployment. What did you say that was? 2008 or something? 2006. 2006? Yeah. Okay, so 2006, first combat deployment. Man, take mm-hmm. it away. Uh, well, I mean, I would probably go back and forth with Peaches on this a little bit, but I think, I mean, our story probably, it's, I think I want to tell the story from the perspective of when we met, you know, because. Okay, well, we can, we can totally do that. Yeah, 2006 was the mission, uh, you know, during Operation Medusa. Uh, and, but when I met peaches face to face, uh, <laughs> it was like 2012. So like 10 oh, years six, later yeah, or six, six years later, eight years later, six years later. Yeah. Thank you. I no appreciate problem. it. We math here pretty hard. <laughs> 10 <laughs> or six. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, I, I am almost like 80% correct on my numbers. Now. <laughs> like I can put them in order. I can go, I can go all the way up to a hundred. I'm getting pretty good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i met peaches at nellis it was my i i had just gotten to the unit 66 weapon school and peaches had just gotten there too right i had been uh yeah i had been wait you said it was 2013 you got there 2012 2012 yeah i had been there about a year now at that point okay yeah those so too. okay um it was like a christmas party yep. or something in the fall yeah christmas party uh and standard kind of, you know, military, everybody's, you know, where are you from? What do you do? Where you've been? Butt sniffing. Where you've been stationed? Yeah, butt sniffing. What, where'd you go? Uh, so when did you deploy? Where'd you deploy? And, it, and uh, me and Peaches start talking and have that conversation. And, you know, when did you deploy? Oh, 2006, 2010, 2011. Uh, oh, 2006. I was there in 2006. Oh, cool. When, you know, where were you at? I was down south mostly oh yeah we did a lot of work down south in uh, medusa and um oh yeah medusa i remember that operation really yeah i was there like the first day of operation medusa we didn't even know it was operation medusa we came back and intel briefed us yeah there's this new thing kicking off uh, 10th mountain and operation medusa in the south out of um uh, west of kandahar because we didn't really do a ton of work down kandahar back then like I don't know if you remember Peaches, but mostly where we were going, I mean, I don't know what you were doing, I guess, prior to that, but we were doing a lot up in Coringal and a lot like JBAD uh, and a lot in Central, like Coast Coast Bowl, however you say it, and Musa Calais Central, more South Central, I guess. And then we just weren't down in and around Kandahar a ton. It was a lot of NATO fighters down there and stuff. And then, so anyway, you're like, I was there like definitely the first day, like, hang on a sec, you know, <laughs> like waited. I don't for the, I don't believe you. Yeah. You know, can't be. And then, um, 
so and then we're the ball's rolling here and like okay so because i told you earlier it was a super memorable day of my life i mean i remember nearly all of it and uh i started saying okay yeah do you remember i mean i did a mission down there on the first day with the guys coming east to west out of like kandahar area towards those mountains that are out there and he's like yeah I know, man. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. I love uh, that's a total PG thing too. He's just, he's gonna make his home, and his home is like, no, I was totally there. And you continue to, <laughs> and you continue to vet him, and you're like, no. And then this is what happened. Yeah, man, I know, I was totally there. I, yeah, I was, I was. I lived the event. So yeah, no. I don't know sounds, if he's yeah that messing with me. And and then there's this JTAC on the ground, and he was talking on the radio, and he said, and Peaches. Yeah, I, I, I know. Uh, I, I'm the one that said it. Okay, <laughs> no, but that. let me tell you what he said because I think I know what he meant. I could hear it in his voice. Yeah. And then I think when I knew for sure that I had been talking to you on the radios was when we started talking about TRPs. We started talking about, all right, well, there was that one mountain that we first guys came up to. We called that the football, the football mountain. And we called that a unit measure east to west. And yep, and then the, the mountain range to the west as a western boundary called the fish hook. And from the air, that range that's west of Kandahar, it's kind of spattered across. There's a big mountain shaped like a fish hook. And then the one to the east of that is a, it's a football shape. Uh, and then, yeah, and then, yes, that, I remember using those TRPs as talk ons for, for you, your two ship. And when, yeah. And so that was a re-roll for us too. So we had been doing something else and they called us and typically when we would get re-rolled, it's call sign location frequency. Uh, so, you know, Hey, you go here, call him on this radio and, um, or this frequency. So we just showed up and then start talking and for, for, so I don't, for, for the, the yeah. for the people out there that don't understand this though, it's not, it's not often that JTACs or, or soft teams on the ground meet you know, whether it's attack pilots, fighter pilots, bomber pilots, whatever that, that work with them in the past. Like you, yes, it's a small community, but you know, the soft teams, they're out there for days or weeks. They don't, they don't come back and, you know, go meet who they sleep in a nice comfy bed by the pilots. That's what we were getting to. That's not what I was going with this. Shame, shame. Everybody salt the snail. But pilots, you know, I mean, you guys will support a troops in contact or you'll support a mission. And if there's still time remaining, you know, you'll go refuel and then you'll go support somebody else. It's not like you, I mean, yes, you guys will go up and you'll support one entity for the duration of your, your mission that day or night. But you guys will, you know, on to the next mission. I mean, it's just, it, it's continuous. So to, you know, think that we all know each other and meet each other afterwards is yeah we're not high-fiving in the chow hall yeah we're not high-fiving in the chow hall like it's not i'm not going to see those guys because they're out in the field uh and unless for some reason like you or back at a big base or something and you met somebody at the chow hall but right and and all all the soft not all the soft teams but a lot of the soft teams at that time are all at you know, remote fobs or forward operating bases. So it's not yeah. like we would travel back to, to Bagram or Kandahar or something like that very often, which is where right. you guys are launching out of. So, and this, this, and then back area, stateside, yeah. there's no, there's no real bases together. It was a unique that we were at Nellis together. Like that assignment was unique where there was JTACs and pilots that were, you know, professional, like, uh, you know, peers yeah. working together like every day going to work, like not just working together on, Hey, we're going to do some training out at the range, like every day, you know, coming in, yeah, and it, drinking coffee, th- this whole, this whole place <laughs> coming was in, very, going to, just, going to Christmas just, parties, just, being friends, <laughs> just getting yeah. coffee. That's, that's literally where this happened. It was a Christmas party and we're sitting around, you know how it's, and it's at somebody's house and the dining room yeah. table and they've got all the, the chips and dips and stuff like that. And it's just like, Hey man, what's yeah. up? You know? Oh yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Just yeah, a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of people pointing with their elbows, refusing to say the word head <laughs> and stuff. Just playing grab ass because they're pilots, <laughs> refusing to a, talk about anything other than flying an airplane because they they can fly an airplane and you can't. Like it's the 80, worst. Eighty percent accurate. Yeah. That, ah, I'll take eighty percent. I I know you're good with numbers. And 80%. I would like to tell you that I can now recognize that eighty percent is close to a hundred percent, and I was born at hundred percent. It's pretty good. So you know what? 
I'll take it. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, we are. We're at the Christmas party. Somebody's not allowed to point at something, and there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so the, you know, it's it, it was just it was very unique. I mean, this this whole during this operation, you know, um, it was a combined operation. Not and I I don't even know if any of that's um, none yeah, of it's classified. I, I mean, it's all out in the open now. But I mean, this is there's a book about it. Yeah. So uh, I mean, there's you know day one stuff you've got uh a different countries involved and you've got different you know socom entities and conventional entities involved um and you got everybody going out there and it it was a huge offensive and in that area which was panjway was actually where the russians kind of got their asses handed to them and it was historically difficult for us because they had um like they had these grave drying huts, which are all over Afghanistan, but they are there's a lot down there. And these these grave drying huts are yeah. you know these these large structures that are um, you know at least one story, maybe two story, in in some regards, extremely thick mud. And these these things have been here for hundreds of years. So this this hardened mud, and then there's almost like these gun ports. Um, that you can imagine just these gun ports all over it. Um, and that's where it's, they're, it's those weird little cutouts. Yeah. It's like their wind, their windows and how they pass water in and all kinds of, stuff. and it's the weirdest thing there. Yeah. And they're not the, the thing that always got me too, is they weren't uniform. Like right. it was never like, Oh, okay, well here's the template. You're going to put one here. It's just, they were building the house and they were like, Oh, you know, it would, one of these little windows, one of these little cutouts will work perfectly right here. So it's never the same. No. That, that would always freak me out walking past any of those buildings is you'd be like, Oh, there's a port. Why is this one at my knee level? Yeah. Like I don't want to have I don't want to have to deal with this right now. You know what I mean? And like I'm already no terrified. There's no roof. It's a, yeah. There's it's no. Just, roof. I'm already no terrified. It's already, it's like thatch. a it's like a fort that you would find in the woods in America somewhere. That's just like the the walls of the of the yep. structure is left. Yeah. But those were always terrifying, dude. Like walking. They're past ter- them, They're tough like, oh. too. They're tough. They're not like. I mean, you could put a lot of rounds into those, and like not everybody inside is going to be done. You know. Nope. <laughs> Which, which happened a lot. I mean, there was there was yeah, a yeah. lot of scenarios where it was it was trying to drop dumb bombs in them because the strafe was strafe angle was just too high for for yeah. aircraft. I mean, it was yeah. it was extremely challenging. And those guys are just it was easy for them. They just stick the gun out of the port and they're protected. Yeah. And, uh, and back yeah. in two thousand six, we were we were flying with a one GBU twelve laser guided uh, Mark eighty two and a Mark eighty two airburst. And I, those are only bombs we had on the airplane. Because most of the, if it wasn't a grape hut, it was open field or something like that, or tree line, ridge line, fence line, like all that. And the gun was usually the weapon we used. Uh, but yeah, so if, if you really, really need, it wasn't like JDAMs all over the place like it is today, you know? <laughs> so that, that would be dope though. Just rolling in <laughs> hot. What do you got? I got seven 500 pounders on me. None of that math works out. You're going to have to trust me on this one. <laughs> yeah. happy for the aircraft. So let, yeah, let's focus ahead. in, man. Like it's, it's, it's 2006. There you are. Peaches, you're on the ground. What, I mean, you obviously had to have some sort of scenario that led you to need shady up above you. So what, I mean, what was going on? What was, and for the people out there, first of all, Operation Medusa, awesome operation name. I've had some really crappy operation names floating around, but Medusa. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a, a good one. Yeah. So it's a 10th mountain op. Usually these ops are really big and they usually cover an entire geographical area. So like Rock Avalanche was where uh, in the Korangal, that's where the, the Medal of Honor came out of was Rock Avalanche's entire mission. It was Operation Rock Avalanche. So this is Operation Medusa. I assume it was a clear and hold operation because at the, at the time those were all the rage. Uh, so Peaches, what, what, uh, tell us about the mission a little bit and what led up to the, to the reason for the, the homecoming at, uh, the Christmas party and the story years later. Yeah. So it, it was a, you know, like I had mentioned kind of Panjway was where historically, um, the Russians lost. Um, I mean, they bad and, and it was a difficult area for us too, but it, it was kind of a, like you just said, it was a clearing operation. So, um, you know, we will do pre-planned aircraft you know as we kind of think that we're going through and we had if i remember right i think we had gotten delayed a day or two so a lot of the pre-planned aircraft that i had had lined up had gotten re-rolled to other places so um like shady had mentioned we were coming in from from east to west uh, on on the road from kandahar and um we're getting to where we plan to go and and basically from that football shaped mountain 
I, you know, me and my team, we owned everything north of the mountain. And then uh, two other JTACs owned everything to the south. So, um, and I'm there with strikers or striker vehicles for those that don't know, um, conventional forces and a, a very small soft team. I think there were six of us, right? Just six of us on the mountain. And, um, and essentially my, my radio was the, the mission. So no kidding, as we're hiking up the mountains and stuff like that, like these guys would no no kidding surround me just to make sure that like, like I said, my radio is the, the mission essentially at least for the northern side. So Peaches was precious cargo. It's like yeah, any yeah. other day in my life. Just a little like, guy. Yeah. You got to I got Yeah, hiking up the mountain. I remember I remember you were running. I yes. remember I remember you saying, "Okay, if I don't answer for a little bit, it's because I'm moving." Trying to catch you know, my breath. Like, <laughs> I'm it's catching my breath a, or I'm moving. Give me a second. I'm running. All this gear is heavy. Yeah. This is a yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was game on as soon as the, uh, the ramps dropped on the site on the strikers. Um, and then it was running up the mountain and then, you know, I had some, I remember what's up. I remember, I remember my flight lead had me watching friendlies and he was looking North and yeah, I remember saying I, it was early in my deployment too, and I remember saying, "Hey, I think they're either shooting or getting shot at," uh, <laughs> because I saw the Boy, puffs like, coming hey, out of the, the hey guys, strikers. It looks, like, it looks like it sucks on the ground. I don't know what's happening, but I don't think it looks like a good time. Because I had never seen the strikers shooting before, you know, I had never oh, seen, yeah. and so I'm like, okay, I'm not sure something's going on. And you know, then, my, you know, my favorite troops in contact. My favorite, but thing. you knew that was the thing. Yeah. You guys knew, like, hey, we're going someplace bad. I I remember that too. Before you, we we hooked up before. It wasn't like you were. I don't think you were troops in contact when we met on the no, radio. No, right? Yeah, it was like, hey, we're going someplace. We know it's a bad place. We know it's going to be bad. And didn't we go get gas? I think we left and got mm-hmm. gas when you told us that. Yeah, you said we're going someplace. It's going to be bad. And we were like, okay. And it was my flight lead, Canoe Kanuski. So I was a wingman and he was a great flight lead, a great man, uh, in my opinion. But that's when we were like, all right, if you're going to, if this, this sounds, sounds terrible, scariest environment imaginable. That's all I had to say. <laughs> scariest <laughs> environment say. imaginable. That's all I had to say. 200 and then, degrees during the day, <laughs> negative 200 at night. That's all so then say. we went and got gas and came back. So we would have more station time. And you guys moved a little bit when we were gone, and but then it was like, okay, we're back, we've got gas, and you're like, all right, and then you pushed like up to the mountain. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 yeah. you're good. It's good because I like no kidding. I thanks IEDs. I uh, I've lost a lot of it, like memory wise. So, um, so yeah, we knew we were going into a bad place. Ramps drop. It's game on, um, and then you know it's. I don't remember. It was either 18 or 36 hour firefight at that point. And I can't, I don't think you got, I don't remember if you, you specifically came back to support us because there were other people down south that also were troops in contact a lot. But I mean, you're, you're talking about a whole lot of ordnance and they, they brought in, I mean, we were, <laughs> we were dropping so much that if I, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was the USS Enterprise um, was, traveling and they actually stopped right. stop them to to roll F-18s and Harriers off of there to help support us because we were dropping so much. I mean, we had, you know, we had Predators, we had B-1s, we had F-16s. Like Apaches. Yeah, Apaches, Danish F-16s. Like it was, it was a, an enormous operation. Um, and this is, for, for those that remember, this was also when we had a, a fratricide as well. Um, where it was like so as a jtac and as a not on this day not, not on this not mission day, but in this operation in the south yeah. operation so there was so much going on uh with all these different entities um it, it was it was incredible to be part of but like i said at the beginning like you know shady and his his lead um 100 i mean they they rolled in immediately as we're getting hit and there was a, um, especially with this school, like 
there was a school zigzag right, building yeah, zigzag building which was ended up being a school but there were loads of people in there just working us i mean putting us through the ringer and these guys rolled in drop bombs strafe after strafe i talked about those gray putts guys were hitting us from the gray putts hitting those guys uh, and, and it just ended up being an incredible two-week mission, I think, is what it was. Two or three-week mission. Um, yeah. But, I mean, so it was, again, it was weird. This is this was what was happening. Like, it was it was wild happening in 2006. But as we're sitting there at the at the Christmas party in, in 2012, just sitting here talking about this and reminiscing and going like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm actually meeting you. And thanks for what you did because... Hey, by the way, this is my son and my daughter, <laughs> yeah. and, and no, my wife. No big pressure that, here. Uh, wouldn't have, didn't know, or actually, no. At that at that point, um, Donna and I were were married, but like, you know, my kids wouldn't exist. Actually, Donna was pregnant during that uh, during that yeah. appointment. Yeah. Oh man, that's wild. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, she gave me a big hug. I <laughs> I would get. I mean, I sometimes I almost. I mean. Yeah, this is emotional, man. It was like, I think that sometimes pilots don't, I mean, I I know, I mean, I have this idea in my head, you know, I go back to, back to the bee hut and like, I knew that I did good work that day that we did, but you just don't know like how bad it is sometimes. We just don't, we're not running around on the ground putting in all the, all the stuff that you're talking about, like shoot, shooting back. And I remember you were taking fire from so many places that we were, there was no other friendlies out there. You know, there was no other friendlies, especially, you know, so on the North side, all bad. And so there was a lot of like, we could see muzzle flashes from different areas. And then we would a lot of times put eyes, put you like, okay, we've got here, here and here. We're, you're taking fire from here. I remember those, like, this is where it's coming from, you know, like, and cause we would see different areas and those became targets, you know? So it was like working together a lot. And then like you mentioned later on, I think later on, I don't know about that day, but yeah, we came down to Medusa over and over, uh, the squadron it was the 81st fire squadron and the 303rd fire squadron, which was a reserve, a reserve unit, uh, was augmenting us that's the unit that I eventually went to and joined the reserves later on. But yeah, I mean, when I met Donna, I was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy, man. I mean, yeah, I don't want to get emotional now, but it no, was don't get emotional. a big deal. We're going to force you to, so. it was a big deal. And, um, and then I, you know, my, even my father will say that was one of the most meaningful days of his life is when he met your parents, um, and they were grateful, you know, and, you know, I don't know. It was a it's wild. big deal in my life, man. It was a big deal in my life. And it, it motivated me a lot to keep, keep, you know, flying A-10s and doing close air support. And it really, uh, I don't know, meant a lot. It was super special to be able to, to meet you guys face to face and then become friends, you know, like, uh, Steph and Donna are, we're, we're, we're close when we were out there and hung out. And, um, so it's cool that, yeah, your kids are all grown up and stuff now. And now I've got kids and I don't do anything cool anymore. I'm just a bus driver, but <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you are doing cool stuff and you are running those, those cast scenarios, whether it be in training or, or real world, like obviously that is really hard to manage. Like you're talking to another person It's essentially, you know, you're talking in this case, talking to peaches on the ground and trying to coordinate and you know all the while there's there's gunfire going off like people are trying to do you harm so that that's a lot we get a lot of questions about you know managing stress or or mentally managing a situation what would be your advice because obviously you're pretty good at it right like you can fly into a situation that is high stress life or death you know with dire physical consequences all the way you know up to up to terrible stuff going on if if you don't act accordingly so how do you, how do you manage it in that moment? Like, do you, do you have any tips or tricks that you use or, or do you have any tips about you? You seem like a pretty excitable guy. I was going to tell you to calm down a couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think you get worked up very easily, but, um, I think, 
obviously training, you know, training prepares you for game day and, and that type of thing. Uh, you know, sometimes people ask me like that and, um, the stressful situations in the aircraft, it really just, it breeds focus more than anything. I try and fo- like channel that energy into focus, you know, and realize that slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Right. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to do any, anything. Uh, I don't want to make mistakes that, uh, people can't walk away from. Right. So, um, you know, tips or tricks for, I mean, just go back to my, your training, you know, and, and having habit patterns, I think was really important in our community. I don't know what it's like in yours, but like, you know, it's easy. Hey, I'm troops in contact and they're right over there. We, we, you know, I need ordinance there. Okay. I'm in with ordinance. You know, there's, it just doesn't, there's a, there's processes and tactics that exist that you have to prevent bad things, you know, fratricide and things like that from happening. So I think slow, smooth, smooth as fast is I guess one piece of advice, like take your time and do it the right way. And if you have good habit patterns that you built in training, you'll be able to go through those processes quickly because they're ingrained into your operating system, right? You're, you're going to just, I mean, this is the way I do it every time. And if I need to do, I don't do it faster. I don't rush. I'm efficient. I do things efficiently. I don't do things really fast when I'm in under pressure because that's when people make mistakes. So, um, and then if you have a habit pattern as well and you get to a point where you like skipped a step, that's like a red flag, you know? Okay. Hey, I need to go back to my habit pattern and like start over and slow it down and do my thing correctly. So yeah, I was, yeah, I don't know if that's really what you're getting at exactly. I mean, stress, I wouldn't say it doesn't seem stressful. I wouldn't say like, okay, now I'm doing troops in contact. It's stressful. Um, specific advice that I got one time from a dude was like every day before you roll or every time before you roll in, just take a deep breath, look to your left, look to your right, you know, and, and be sure that you're right, you know? Uh, but I think habit patterns is something that I always taught in the A-10 uh, to, to use to deal with just um, challenging missions. Just don't mess it up and there's no pressure. It's fine. Right? <laughs> just be real yeah. good. Yeah, just – yeah, no. Don't suck. Don't I, mess this up. I think don't we get that. That's, that's a really good one. How, how Another good that? instructional technique Stop is, talking. all right, I'm going to need you to do better next time. <laughs> like, it's – wasn't good enough, and next all time, of the stuff that you did, do better. I've got more of an AAR for you, but this is just all of the things that you did. Just don't, don't do that next time. None do of the it. Things. Stop less. being so much you and be more like <laughs> someone else next time. Maybe you were somebody. Maybe like me. I don't know. You, pretend, I'm just one example. Like, one example. Of pretend like you're many other people that are better than you at what you do. Pretend like you're <laughs> anybody that is better than what you just did. How about that? yeah. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what's, you know what's stressful know. is when Medusa's going on and all the guys up in Ur is gone can't get any resources for any of the stuff that they're getting into. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the whole time you're telling this story, all I'm like is, this oh, is yeah, why we could only get one like Dutch Apache that wouldn't come below 10,000 feet to check out anything. That's why? Is because you guys were, were playing <laughs> games? Yeah. We're building friendships down in the Jeez. south. So you guys can meet at a yeah. Christmas party years later, and we're just like out there like, <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll use 105s. We'll use 105s. We got nothing. Sure. This is going to yeah. be so great on the Christmas party. They're really accurate. It's going to be yeah. so good. I'm, I'm glad we do yeah, so That was a long now. drive down there, too, from Bagram. So it was always a pre-vol tank. And then yeah, we just we went down there all the time afterwards. Nah. And I had I did other missions down there, but, I mean... I think that day we probably refueled once with you that day, like after probably pre and then during we probably refueled once, but, but now Trent and I've got this, uh, underlying thing though. I guess we got to talk about, no, that's, that's not true. Cause <laughs> there was a lot of, there was a lot of pain inside of those words. There's a lot of feeling behind those for whatever reason. No, I've, I've talked about it before. It, Cause uh, 2006 out there at the same, uh, probably around the same time, I think I did the weather workup at CAF before I ripped out to the fob for uh, Medusa. And uh, we did, we did have a, a, an A-10 make it for, you know, when it actually mattered up there. 
you know, I've talked about this before, and and, and the you know the the emotions and and how like you you never think it's going to be a big deal, um, but like when you're on the ground and that dude comes in and and hits that tree line and all those you know the PKM stops shooting and no more RPGs coming after your boys, you know, like I, I'm a little jealous that Jared got to meet his A10 driver, you know, and, and, and do all the hugs and all the other stuff because like you want to, you want to be like, dude, like whoever that was just pulled us out of the, a, a pretty bad situation. And so like, we've talked to some, uh, you know, AC 130 folks and yeah, is it the same way? Like, do you get that? I know you're professional and you're calm and everything else in the cockpit, but like after you do that, when does it hit you that you're like, I just, I, I think I just saved those dudes lives and like, they're probably feeling amazing. Like, when does, is it when you land that you finally let yourself, like... Obviously at a Christmas party with Peaches years later. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote a letter home about it that day. He knew he knew what what's up. Um, like a few old fashions in, the emotions. Yeah. yeah. I'm realizing now that the letter home story, like, it's, it seems unbelievable. But, yeah, I, swear, <laughs> I, I, I it seems, but I did. I was writing letters back then. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, I think, I don't know. I think you just hope that, that all those missions are like that and that you're, that, 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 that guy has a family and that, and that he's going to go see them. And, you know, it doesn't really stop because there's other guys in other places. So for me, it wasn't like a, a sense of accomplishment like okay that's the there's no end you know and we were over there a long time and so i mean it doesn't really end because there's always another guy in the ground and so i don't you know i don't think that i kind of like take a big deep sigh and think oh wow you know that's i i'm done or i did that thing for that guy and then so everything's great because i know that he's still out there and there's other guys out there and there's, you know, and some guys don't come home. So, uh, it's, you just always keep trying to do the best you can and hope that you can make a difference in people's lives, you know, here and there. But, um, you know, when you get back to the base, I, I have a close friendship with, uh, my flight lead from that mission. Cause, um, you know, we stay in touch and, um, so you build bonds with the guys that you fly with, you know, um, friendships because you, you're sharing those experiences and you have the same kind of hopes that you do make a difference. And so I'd say that's probably the biggest indicator that you've done something that you think is special is that you can, that you have that shared experience with the guys in your squadron or the guy that you flew with. And if you have that, then you probably know that you did something important. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's something from a guy on the ground that's dealing with that. We don't really think about that. Like, um, you know, for, for those of you that haven't, you know, flown like on the ground, there's a lot of noise. You, you know, you, you hear the gunfire, you see the boom, you feel the boom. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the air. You know, you're not hearing the boom. You're not seeing, I mean, you can see the kind of, the flash and then the smoke and stuff like that, but you're not hearing it unless it's coming over the radio. So, and then as you come back, you know, you're going through your pod footage, you're debriefing, you're figuring out what you did right, what you did wrong, what can improve. Yeah. It's, it's a great point. It's never like you come back, you're, you're just focused all the time on trying to get better really. And you come back, you're debriefing. Mm-hmm. You're not like, Oh, awesome. Yeah. Chow hall. You know, I mean, we do eat chow, but let's get yeah, them I mean, omelets. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but midnight chow like, is always the best chow. Always. Oh, midnight, midnight chow. Always the best. But, yeah. um, like one of the things that I noticed, like when I was, uh, with the Vipers as the wing of weapons officer out there, whenever they would come back from ticks, I would always go over there and sit through their, their footage, debrief with them. And a lot of those guys, especially their, for their first deployment, I, I, and it's something that I never considered Right. And, and I told uh, Colonel Black this when she was on, but there was a lot of emotion and frustration within those guys because they are flying, supporting guys on the ground. They're in a bad situation and there's only so much that the pilot can do. 
like I'm I'm either I'm out of gas, right, or yeah. um, I'm out of, I'm out of ordinance, or the situation on the ground is so bad that either the the JTAC or team on the ground and I as the pilot can't sort it out. So I'm I'm doing the absolute best, and I can hear the the pain and frustration in their voices and know what they're going on. So I mean that's I. Again, I didn't really appreciate that or even recognize that until doing that one deployment um, with the Vipers. And now I have a whole nother appreciation for it. Um, and, and I can recognize that now. Did you ever, have you ever gone through some of that or feel some of that other than, you know, when we were talking about, because I'm, I'm sure there's a much, uh, a much, a lot of growing and maturing involved from from that deployment in 2006 to your last one in 18. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is. Uh, those feelings exist. Uh, you know, you just, uh, rules of engagement is another thing on that list that you didn't mention that is hyper frustrating for pilots um, um, because, you know, a lot of times what has to happen in certain situations. And if that can't happen for reasons that aren't gas or ordinance, if there's other reasons like that's really, that's very painful. Uh, and that drives a lot of guys away from, you know, the military, really, they're just fed up with that type of thing. But, uh, yeah, you know, like I said earlier, I think you're always trying to do better, trying to, to get better and debrief and, and things like that. Um, and trying to think of ways that even you can, you know, mitigate things like gas and ordnance. Did I use the right weapon for the right target? You know, did I kill it the first time? Because if I did not that was another weapon I could have used for another target. And did I manage my information correctly? Did I waste time doing things or and that's, that's the frustration with like a bad talk on, you know, like this talk on is going bad and we're taking time and, you know, and I only have so much gas, you know, and I have to leave. And so I, I need this to, I, I need this to go better or we're not going to be able to drop these weapons, you know? So there's frustration that comes out sometimes even as it's happening that maybe is built into the, the psyche of the pilot. Cause he's always operating in this, like, I don't, I have to get this done to help now, or I'm going to be gone and different platforms have different station times and stuff. So, um, I don't know, man. Yeah. I think, I think it's a tough, it's things, a tough question. Uh, it's a tough question. So I, I'll I, say, I, I'll say this too. I'll say it, what I, it's what's it's bothersome. It bothers me sometimes that, you know, you can't ever take that next step. You're just, you're always one dimension away. So no matter how much you care, no matter how much you want to help, no matter what you do, you're still not that guy on the ground. You're not the dude that's in it. And quite frankly, you know, you're not the guy that's, there's a lot, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I should say this, but like, I don't have, yeah, I don't know if I should say this, but <laughs> the, the guy on the ground, those are those are the those are the guys that what are dying. You, those yeah. are the guys that are really really making big sacrifices. I mean, there's pilots that die in combat too, and there have been, and I'm, it's no disrespect to the to the pilots that have done that and you know, but I'm just talking in in numbers, in numbers, the the those are the the big numbers of casualties, you know, of all the casualties from the war. There's there's more guys on the ground than there are a 10 pilots. You know what I mean? And so yeah, but there's this kind of like, I, I can't, I can only, this is all I got, you know? And then, so you're trying your best to do what you can. And you know that you're never going to be the guy on the ground, but you just really want to help him because they're going to keep coming back. And they're the ones getting year long deployments and, you know, IEDs everywhere and things like that, you know. I mean, I'm I go to the I go to the the ramp, I take off, I fly I'm at the airport. I'm just I'm not as vulnerable to the situations that the guy on the ground is, you know. But that yeah, that number sure. would be a lot higher without the air support. A yeah. lot a lot higher. Yeah, and again, I really I didn't mean to make that statement to say like 
if a pilot or, or, you know, there's other humans that have lost their lives in, in, com- in this conflict that, that, I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's mostly other people than pilots. Mostly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So to, to lighten this up a bit, <laughs> um, Shady, before yeah. we, uh, before we wrap this up, I do want to, uh, throw out or plug your podcast. So you've got a podcast called wait. No, you don't have to. No, 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 no. <laughs> Go and right, do it. Right. Now, why don't you all tell right. us a little bit about it? Uh, so, I mean, when I stopped flying a tens, uh, I, I don't have any demons or any badness really, but I, I did have a man. I was doing something that I cared about for so long, something I was really passionate about that I, uh, really missed it. I mean, and just miss flying a tens. I missed having something that I did professionally that I cared about a lot. And, you know, I have a job Delta too, which is a great job. I'm not bitching about my job. I just, it's not shout out Delta favorite. Airline. Yeah. Keep climbing. Sponsor the sponsor the yeah. podcast, Delta. What's up? You trying to kick it or like, man, we got I got a, a banner that I could fit right back here. Delta, yeah. what's up? Hey man, give me that yeah. friend, give me that friends and family rate. I, I'm already a, a diamond medallion member. I'll holler at me. Come on, what's up? Yeah, I'm really Unless, not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. You're 80 percent there. You're 80 percent of the way. No stolen valor on the on the diamond silver medallion level for Delta. That's, that's yeah. not the one you get me on internet. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to do something that you know I just I was a little bit more passionate about. I guess I'll say it that way. And so, um, I I wanted to start writing again. I was a really creative kid growing up. I wasn't you know the 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 flying airplanes thing was kind of a it was a lot different than I was doing art and creative writing and stuff. And so when I went to go fly in the air force, I kind of flushed all that other stuff and didn't really buried it deep down. Never talk about it again. Like that type of thing. And, Perfect. uh, yeah, I've been told that that's the best way to deal with stuff. Bury it deep if, down. You gotta, never if, talk if you about feelings. It. You have to push them down, but feelings, <laughs> they, they tend to move upwards. So you have to put something on top of them. Usually no. alcohol. They become diamonds. Works the best to keep some exactly keeps them yeah. way down. Just put a, a layer. So I, <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to do something that I was a little more into, I guess. And uh, I love fly fishing. If I could do one thing every day, kind of besides spend time with my family for the rest of my life, I would, I would go fly fishing. And so I kind of thought, well, if I'm going to write, I need to practice. So let me start this blog. What am I going to write about? Well, I like, I really like fly fishing. I'll write about that. So I started a fly fishing blog, uh, and that kind of grew into a brand. I sell some swag and then I started painting again and I started putting my art out for people to see. And then I started selling art. Um, and then I felt like my blog, I wasn't able to communicate as much as I could with, I didn't, I felt like I had reached the limit of where I could help people with fly fishing and stories that I had. So I thought that it would be cool to add other people's stories. So that's when I started the podcast and I interview fly fishing people, fly fishy people. Um, and yeah, so I've got a website called Wade out there. Uh, and it's a blog and a podcast podcasts everywhere. You listen to podcasts and, um, it's about fly fishing people's stories, what brought them to fly fishing. And then a the little bit about the rivers they fish and then the tactics and philosophies that they use. And our tagline is fly fishing is special, but not elite. So, um, and it's, it's cool. The more that I've done it, the more I've, I've talked to people that have started to, that really are into fly fishing uh, to help them deal with a lot of those things that we're talking about that they're very deep down and they don't want to talk about. Um, so I've had veterans on a few times and, and, and there's a lot of organizations that use fly fishing to help with PTSD and things like that, which that's not what the show is about, but you know, I've had several episodes, uh, where we do talk about that and, uh, it's pretty amazing how much it's helped people. So it's been exciting the more that I do it to be able to see, and tell stories like that. And it's not just military service, but people that dealing with anxiety or mental health issues for whatever reason. It's, it's odd how that I meet these people in fly fishing. They just, <laughs> they're just really passionate about it, you know? So it's been cool. That's awesome. Well, 
for everybody out there, it's uh, wadeoutthere.com. Also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Check out Shady. Um, Shady, again, really appreciate you coming on, telling your story. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while, so thanks for giving me the motivation. (laughs) and, and the, the little push to uh, to make it happen certainly appreciate it so everybody that's out there again please subscribe leave us a review go check Shady's podcast out as well uh, don't forget our promo code at all once ready at all of the, uh, the partners and friends that we have and we'll see you guys later have a good one see ya train hard later